My background in acting involved also a background in improvisation and a lot of role playing. And I found it to be a really good learning tool. I was a theater major at Northwestern. I went back to LA after having an acting career in Chicago and got into that. But I really found that improvisation was a great way to teach and keep things engaging mm. because two things happen. People cared about the message when you were engaging with them authentically, and then they remembered the lessons. That was the two things we wanted to achieve, care and remember. So if you can get the audience to care authentically, which kind of goes back to your first question too, how do you earn their trust? You, you get them to care without shocking them. And then usually when you get them to care authentically, they have a better chance of remembering the message. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Steve Shenbaum. Steve is the founder of Game On Nation, a nationally recognized communication firm that employs game dynamics and improvisation to teach high performance teamwork as well as communication, storytelling, public speaking and presentation skills. Welcome to our show, Steve. Thanks, Shahed. Appreciate you very much. It's my pleasure, my friend. It looks like we work with professionals in various industries and groups. Can you share some kind of challenges that are very common that you found working with these people? Oh, getting right into the challenges. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Chad, for our style of teaching, we use, like you mentioned, improvisation, role-playing. I think one of the challenges is in the land of interactivity, game dynamics, using experiential learning. Sometimes there's a little apprehension at first, no matter what audience. We have three audiences we focus on. We've got college and pro sports teams. That's an audience, an area. We have government and military audiences. And we also have corporate audiences. And people ask me, what's a common challenge with all of those audiences? Doesn't matter if they're mm. 18 years old or 65 years old, 70, 80 years old. There's a little bit of apprehension when you come in and they know there's going to be a bit of interactivity. There's going to be a bit of engagement. So it's our job to earn their trust as soon as possible. We don't force it. We don't try to win them over right away. We just earn their trust and earn the right to speak and share concepts. So that's probably the one common challenge we see. But once you get through that challenge and you earn that trust, my goodness, man, it is a total switch. And then they're so, all about the interactivity. That's awesome, Steve. <laughs> so can you share how you develop that trust in such an environment? Yeah. One of the things I was sharing actually with my 11-year-old daughter, she said, Dad, how do you win over the audience right away? Because, you know, the kids mm. will ask good questions. Yeah. And I said, you know what, Blake? I think the answer is not to try to win them over right away. You got to get out of that mindset. So a yeah. lot of what we do, it's not just myself. We have a team of consultants. We try to prepare in advance. So I think a few things just to be really practical. We do our best to try to get ahead of it and learn as much about the client as we can. So the other thing that's really not exciting, but I share it, and you may be able to share this with me when you present, is we put a lot of focus on the room setup and try to keep things simple. Like we want to know where the chairs are going to be set up. And we want to know like 
the air conditioning and we want to make sure our HDMI cables are all set up. I know this doesn't sound very exciting and no one's going to tweet like my HDMI cable was good, right? That's not a very <laughs> viral tweet. But mm. to get to a place where people feel comfortable, we try to make as much of a connection between the speaker and the audience. For example, when there's a stage that's five feet high, but there's a space where we could stand in front of that stage and be on the same level as the audience without affecting their eyeline, we try to do that. Get on their level, get to know their names, separate the chairs, and make sure the air conditioning is good. <laughs> so that's number one. Oh, that was like one A, B, C, and D. <laughs> so you're coming from an acting background. You were in American yeah. Pie 2, I believe, and some other amazing movies. Before you got into acting, were you involved with public speaking and communication? Is there a story behind how you got into acting? Or was there a transition because of acting you got into this type of work? The second part, because of acting, I got into the yeah. just desire to create curriculum. So my background in acting involved also a background in improvisation and a lot of role playing. And it, I found it to be a really good learning tool. That's the that second part of that question was because of my acting background, I was a theater major at Northwestern. I went back to LA after having an acting career in Chicago and got into that. But I really found that improvisation was a great way to teach and keep things engaging because two things happen. People cared about the message when you were engaging with them authentically, and then they remembered the lessons. That was the two things we wanted to achieve, care and remember. So if you can get the audience to care authentically, which kind of goes back to your first question too, how do you earn their trust? You, you get them to care without shocking them. And then usually when you get them to care authentically, they have a better chance of remembering the message. But that's how I transitioned was loving theater, but actually loving teaching more than I loved theater and acting. When you're working with a corporation, I assume they'll be more inclined to hire your system or get you to come in rather than just a public speaker, for example. Nothing wrong with that, but the improv adds a different dimension into what you're doing and what you're teaching. You're just getting everyone really involved, not just looking at their phone. You're good at this, my friend. I mean it. Thanks. I appreciate where you just went there. You <laughs> yeah. know, what I pulled from that statement, Shahed, is it, there's nothing against dynamic public speakers. I, I don't want to in any way be disparaging. I, I revere dynamic people. You are I, so many good quality speakers out there. We try not to position ourselves as the sparkle speaker. We, we know there's an impact you can make by having this well-known, dynamic, big personality up on stage for an hour sharing information. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. We're trying mm -hmm. to come at it with a different approach. That's all. We're not trying to say it's a yeah. better approach. We're trying to bridge the gap between the stage and the audience. And we're trying to yeah. be a little bit more of facilitation and a little bit more yeah. of a connect. In the theater world, they call it breaking the fourth wall. They have four walls. You have the back wall, the two side walls, and then there's this imaginary fourth wall. And sometimes you don't cross that fourth wall and you stay up on stage and you present with a dynamic personality. We try to earn the right to break through that fourth wall. So we're trying to position ourselves less as motivational speakers and ins inspirational speakers, nothing wrong with that, and really thinking our, of ourselves as facilitators, where we so have, this, yeah, go ahead. That's okay. So this facilitation that you do, do you have any kind of stats on comparing the two types? 
Yeah, we've done that a lot better recently. For many years, we've been around 27 years. We didn't do a great job at pre and post survey results. Now we're trying to gauge certain metrics. One of the metrics we're trying to gauge is not, did you like the presentation or not? But in six months, were the concepts that we shared still in play? So we Mm. have statistics on what we call like universal language. Is the language that we shared being used six months from now with a client? Another thing we try to use as a barometer is retention, but not retention of the information, but like, especially in the corporate world, that world, well, retention of the, of the employees. Are we, if we're brought in for cultural morale and for cultural Mm -hmm. development, are we seeing a massive turnover? Obviously there's going to be turnover naturally if people promote out and as people come in, but can we create some good to do, some concepts that the company can latch onto, behaviors that they can implement that improves the, the retention of their employees, improves their morale surveys, and improves the language that they use and the behaviors that they use on a regular basis. So we're trying to grab that information with post-survey, post and we're gathering that on the daily. But it's a really good question to think, how do we score this? Versus, hey, that was fun. We're trying to, we don't want to be that. That was exciting. That was dynamic. You can go to an improv show. You can go to a stand-up comedian. You can go watch a hypnotist and that would be fun. We're trying to get to where there's a return on the investment. Yeah. It's like you basically bridge the gap from entertainment into the corporate world to educate. Yeah. You said it. I mean, there's in those terms they use like edutainment and those types of things, but yeah, I've been thinking a lot and I love your take on this too. Like how do we go from performer to presenter. Like that's the goal. And even go further, how I'm my staff, they're dynamic. There's some wonderful, talented people out there, but how do we go from just putting on a performance to actually sharing a presentation and then even further empowering the audience to then run it on their own? And I don't mean do a presentation. Yeah. Wouldn't you integrate the two? The presentation yeah. and the performance into Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I don't think you go one or the other, but I think what happens is we tend, I'm only speaking from my experience, just as a human being with feelings and dopamine yeah. and serotonin, it mm-hmm. feels good to perform. You get high surveys. Yeah. You do, man. Like yeah. you, I've seen you, you know, I've seen you on, on, on the internet. I've seen you share messaging. It feels good to perform. So yes, there's a yeah. nice balance. I feel as human beings, we tend to default to the performance because you get applause. Instead of presenting tangible, practical information that the audience can use on the day, they listen, Shahid, there's not a standing ovation when you tell an audience, hey, we got to get rest. We have to create space for other people. We must try our best to drink as much water as we can. Like you don't get a standing ovation for sharing that. You don't get a standing ovation for sharing practical advice, but you do get applause Mm. when you share share some sparkle. So I think the way I'd Mm. like to explain it is, there needs to be some sparkle, but there must be substance. There has to be substance. Yeah. Or else you're performing, which is fine, it. but then yeah. you're putting on a show. Yeah, you're putting yeah. on a show. They're yeah. not getting what they need to get from it. Yeah. I'm sure you experienced this too. I used to, my pride would be filled when years ago people would say, oh, that, that session was so fun. That was so funny. But unless we were brought in to bring fun and funny to the room, I would rather hear... I remember the message or you gave me some practical techniques that I can apply on like a Tuesday when things are tough or a Thursday mm-hmm. when I have a lot on my plate or I got a bad email or I had a difficult discussion with a staff member. That's 
I'd rather hear I was able to apply one of your concepts versus I had a lot of fun and that was funny. Something about that, Steve, there's some kind of deep meaning from your soul or something. When you hear another human being say something like that, it touches you way more than any money could. I agree, man. Yeah. It's talk about like impact and we're not youngsters in that. We're not at the tail end of our career. Shahed, you know, I'm not a 25 year old intern where back in those times I did want the applause. I'll be real with you, but no, mm. it feels good. A year later, right? Someone comes up to you at the Atlanta airport. I always say the Atlanta wow. airport because I always feel like I run into people at the Atlanta airport and yeah. they're like, hey, I just wanted to tell you, my name is so-and-so and I, I just remembered my coin. We have a concept called coins, really simple, basic, right? You have concept, basic, like coins are things that you value that have nothing to do with what you do for a living or nothing to do with your sport that you play or nothing to do with your military rank. It's, coins are your values, the things that make you smile, that make you shine. It could be people mm. that have impacted you, places that are significant to you, food that you love. And I love running into someone three years later and they say, hey, I, I have my coins, man. I have my coins. Oh, that's awesome. That's money. And I don't mean that in a yeah. play on words way, but that's yeah, money. Yeah. yeah. Do you just work with corporations or do you work with individuals as well? We do less individual work. We will do some like presentation skills training for executives who are preparing for a big keynote speech or a board meeting or mm -hmm. even like a TED talk. But for the business model, we like to work in teams. We like to work in groups. Mm -hmm. We find that the interactivity, the role playing and the exercises we've developed are just more conducive in a small group or in a large mm -hmm. group. But yeah, the one-on-one -on -one training is not a core part of our business, but we'll refer those out. And every now and then, I'll take that on as like just a passion project, like an executive right now who's preparing to do a big keynote for a franchisee's owners of McDonald's, and she's working through her speech, and I'm supporting that. But it's mostly teams, mostly groups. Okay. Yeah. In your curriculum, Mile, yeah. you emphasize the power of honesty, humility, positive <laughs> humor. Can you share some examples that entrepreneurs can learn from that they can apply? Yeah. I'll start with that reference. Thank you for mile. The acronym is mystery, incentive, laughter, and empowerment. So that's the acronym M I L E. So one thing we'll do early, let's say Shahed, you and I were working together and you had a meeting, a board meeting, let's say just, you were meeting with your staff, whatever, maybe 20 people. I'd encourage you look at your presentation and see if you can score it. Simple. And what do you mean, Steve? What do you mean score it? Like, is there a four? Is there, do you have a one on the mystery? Is mystery involved in your presence? I don't mean like a scavenger hunt. Is there an element of intrigue and mystery as you share with your staff? Like it could be a, an email that says, Hey, I'm looking forward to meeting with everyone and we're going to have an exciting day. That's mystery. Have, do you have a little bit of incentive in that conversation, in that meeting? Yeah. Is there a little bit of laughter? I don't mean laughter like trying to be the funny so person you, in the room. So you sorry, it. Steve. So basically what you do is when you have your presentation ready, you yeah. just do this checklist that you're going to share right now that they can go in through that presentation. If they don't, they can in, try to incorporate some of that and see and skill the difference between not doing it and doing it in your presentation. Perfectly right? said. Perfectly said. Yeah. If the mile scores out as a four, beautiful. You have a little mystery, a little incentive, a little laughter, and a little empowerment for the audience. If it scores yeah. out of a three, 
let's take a look at it. Maybe you need a little bit more laughter. We can add a little, just a little bit of levity. It could be like just the way you open the meeting. If it's a two, like you score a two, I would, as a, as a colleague, I would say, let's take a look what's going on. If you have no mystery, no incentive, no laughter empowerment, we might be in a position where we have a really flat presentation. And like you said it perfectly, put it through the mile lens. If you put mm. your presentations, your meetings through the mile lens, it's a checklist. It could take about five minutes. You're putting yourself in a place to go back to our original conversation where your audience may be in a better place to care about your message and they may be able to then remember the message so you don't mm. have to tell the same message over and over again. Because as leaders yeah. and entrepreneur, it's hard to build a business if we're doing the same speech over and over again. We have to have growth. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> so the entire purpose is growth. Yeah. That's great. Now, when it comes to public speaking, yeah. can you share some tips that entrepreneurs can implement immediately to jazz up their presentation? Yeah, I love this question. I'm going to answer it two ways. Cool? No, 100%. Yeah. So one is before the presentation. This is the part that's not exciting. I tell every presenter, you've got to rest well, fuel well, and move well. You must, and I don't mean run them rest, try to get some rest because it's very important because sleep deprivation is real. Yeah? So yeah. rest, fuel, I don't mean just mean eat well, but what are you listening to before your presentation? What are you consuming? Yeah? Who are you talking to? Who's your lifeline on the phone? What music prepares you to be in the right mindset? Mm. What are you watching on the internet? And then the last one is move. Not just do some exercise. I think it's important to move. I don't mean go out and run a marathon. I can't. My body's not geared to do 26 miles, but do some movement, but also think about what impacts you. So my, my big note would be for all public speakers, make sure you're resting, fueling, and moving well. And then on a really practical note, my theory is if you can get in the space that you're pu public speaking an hour early, I know this sounds so simple, d walk through that space, you know, get to see mm. what the audience is seeing, sit in the chairs of the audience, look at your presentation from a different, literally a different viewpoint. So that would be my other, just, I have many, but one note is just Sit in the, like literally sit in the, get it, like walk in their shoes, sit in the audience's seat, mm. look at it from the front row, the back row, the middle row, and you'll have some empathy when you get on stage because you sat where they're sitting. That would be a simple, yeah, like simple technique. How I refer to it, you go into the energy of the person. So if you want to shift your perception, you go into the energy of that person. What are they perceiving? Similarly, what you're referring to is the audience, go into that audience energetically and see that they're experiencing. Yeah. I think productions are set up sometimes, Shahid, like the big ones, to almost where there's a division between the presenter and the audience. And I'm talking big presentations. I'm not talking like yeah. board meetings and small company meetings. When you go to these events, you've been to them, you've spoken. They're set up to where it's hard to connect to the audience. The lights are big, there's backlighting, there's a big production. So even more so, when you go to those spaces, Come off the stage and sit, like you said, sit in that chair and feel the energy and the spirit in the room. So when you actually are on stage, mm, going back to what we yes. talked about, you're still performing, but you're also able to present and you're still having some sparkle 
but you're also like able to bring some substance. And I think yeah. a lot of that comes from the pre, the preparation. It's not like you're adjusting on uh, golfers. Don't just change their. Yeah, it's a pre-work. You don't go to a golf yeah. tournament and just change your swing in the middle of the tournament. All those yeah. tweaks are done on the practice round, on the putting green. Yeah. I'm just using yeah. the golf metaphor, but it's so, prior. Yeah. Then yeah, you can flow. Prior. You same, can get into a flow state when you're on stage. Yeah. Same with entrepreneurship, for example. We always yeah. say that do the pre-work, meaning get the foundation right, get your mindset right. Yes. For entrepreneurship, because entrepreneurship just looks glamorous from the outside, but it's a tough journey and you have to have that right state of mind to embrace this journey. It's similar that you want to do the pre-work. The pre-work sometimes has way more power to what you're going to accomplish. So said, and it reminds me, Shahid, like when things go wrong in entrepreneurship, which is better than anyone, like. It, it's not an overnight success. There's no overnight oh. success, man. No, heard, I know you've heard that. I've heard it. If you yeah. have a foundation, whether public speaking or you have a foundation for your business, when things go wrong, you can go back to that core foundation. I'll give you an example. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to do the core foundation of our company, but as a, we're going into public speaking presentations, which I appreciate you diving into as part of our core competency, but we have three rules of engagement when we present. And I encourage all entrepreneurs to have their company pillars, their foundation, but also if you're getting into public speaking and presentations, what are your rules of the game? So we have three. One is laugh with, not at. That's a Sorry? big rule. Laugh with, not at. Yeah. Laugh with? Not at. So when we're using humor, oh. yeah, when we're using humor, we're not trying to make fun of people. We're not trying to shame people. We laugh yes. because we're using a lot of interactivity. Good laugh point. with not at. Second pillar, and they're not in order. There's three, is to have each other's back. And what that means is to honor people's names, to honor their culture, to give people physical space. Love it. To, and then the last one is to celebrate small wins. So if you think about, those are three basic rules of the game that we teach all of our consultants. So when something goes wrong, like you were saying with entrepreneurship, you're not chasing scenarios. You're not like preparing for what if someone gets upset? What if this word upset? It's yeah. you follow these three rules. If you follow these three rules, you know what? Chances are common sense and critical thinking and come, they'll come to the surface and you'll be able to navigate. That's what I really want the listener, the viewer to take mm. away is when you're presenting, what are your rules of your... What are the rules of your presentation that you can go back to when there's a tricky moment or you lose your train of thought or there's a challenging question or the air conditioning goes out or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Also is the attention that we tend to divert towards our own self, meaning how do I look? How am I performing? How am I walking? How am I sounding? Are yeah. they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? Is Am I going to do a good job? That is like the horror of speaking because from there, you lose that concentration of adding value to the people that you're speaking to. And I just want to confirm, I never spoke in public speaking on the stage. It is one of my goals, one of my desires, and put it out there. If there's any opportunity anywhere, I'd love to go and take it on. But it is something that I desire to do. I haven't done it, 
except for the show. I do it every day. So that's what I was saying earlier when I said, I've seen you, like you've done, this is, but this, you bring up two really interesting, first of all, two interesting points, but first of all, I have your back and I will support you if you want to do that, my friend. You got thank a you, sound, you, you, we call it a sounding board. You got a sounding board right here. Okay. A sound check. Oh, I love it. Love it. But you are presenting Shahid and that's important that I do want to drive home. And then I want to remember another point you reminded me of as well about wanting to be liked on stage. So don't forget that. But I really encourage everyone that thinks about public speaking and presentation You're all presenters in some form or fashion. You are absolutely a public speaker. You do a podcast. You do it every day, right? Or five days a week? Every day. Yeah, you're presenting. You might be presenting when you volunteer coach your child's volleyball team. You're presenting when you walk in the supermarket and there's a mother with her children and she needs a smile and a nod. Everyone has to stop thinking about presentation as a big TED talk or the arena presentation, or I do believe we default to what corporate presentation, you immediately picture like the stage, the backlights, the blue lights with the black curtain and the PowerPoint. That's a form of presentation. You know what else is a presentation? If you are meeting with three colleagues and you're talking about the week ahead, you are presenting. And Mm. if we think of it that way, it's accessible and it's not as daunting. Simplifies it. Yes. If you think of presentation as like an arena show, you know, let me use a metaphor. If you think of running as a marathon, no one's going to run except for marathon runners because it's just so daunting. Like 26 miles, save it. I can't do that. But if you make it accessible and say, no, running can also be you just taking a nice jog. I can do that. And that's what I like to do for presentation is make it accessible and say, don't make it something that's so lofty that you can't reach it. So you are yeah. a public speaker, my Don't friend, and you are a presenter. Thank You're doing you. it every day in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Come on. Steve. I'm not. Yeah. No, that's mm. wonderful. Great way to point that out. I want to frame you know, it that complicate way. Complicate. Yeah. Yes, you complicate things unnecessarily. We put things on a pedestal, especially yeah. when we're in entrepreneurship and we compare comparison syndrome that we're always comparing with others. We're basically putting other people on a pedestal. And the most valuable, the most beautiful, the most amazing person is within, is that person themselves. Come on. And they, they lose that focus to the others. So we do a lot of harm to ourselves. Yeah, you said it. And it's a phrase I hear. I think it's Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know. It's, comparison is the thief of joy. It's not my phrase, but it's true. You yeah. brought up something. It is. You look at others and you see it on social media and everyone's humbled and blessed yeah. and everyone's dominating the day Smiling. and everyone's winning the now <laughs> and they're doing great. Mm-hmm. And they and then it's like you said, there's the growth is in the preparation and the hard work mm-hmm. and the failure. But you brought up something. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That connects yes, back to what you said. It's much harder to be consistent if it's complex, but you mentioned simplicity allows for consistency. Simple I, skills, right? Simple scale. That's actually perfectly said. Simple scales. And I've been guilty of complication. I have. We have a tricky curriculum. It's interactive. And Mm. sometimes I'm like, oh, let's make it even more advanced. No (laughs) one has ever given us feedback. No one's ever said, I wish it was more interactive to us, to game on. No one like gives us feedback and says, I wish it was more engaging. But we have to be careful that we don't complicate things because it'll work once, but it's hard to scale. True. said, said, Steve, can you share what you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? 
Uh, I think of a question off of that question. I will answer it. Now, there's a question that a, a coach shared with me years ago that said, what is something that you're really gifted at doing that's not really common with other people? And I thought that question was similar to what you just said. I was ready to answer it. And I realized it's harder than I thought because if, if I'm gifted at it, 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 I don't know if it's uncommon to others. I just assume. So, yeah. And also it's hard to answer this question because you don't want to sound arrogant. But with all that said, I have a lot of blind spots or areas I want to improve. But the one area where I've always found consistency is in being able to use interactivity and improvisation to see the giftings in other people and expose those giftings. So I have a, an ability. thing of gifts through yes. improv. Yes. When you that's do improv, amazing. Shahed, it's, you're doing something that's slightly unnatural for other people. You took me ice yeah. skating. You would get a great personality assessment of me. I'm not an ice skater. I've never been. I've been on the ice twice. So if you pulled me on the ice, I'd become, you'd see all the stuff you need to see. Like you'd see my ability to work through stuff. You'd see my way to masking my insecurity with humor. Like you, it'd be a personality assessment. Improvisation is somewhat similar in that it's fairly unfamiliar with people. For people. So when you put people safely through improvisation, I can start to see, are they someone who speaks three languages? Are they more analytical than they are abstract? Are they, are they a good listener? Yes. Do they have high empathy? And I'm able to be present in those interactions. And then I have an ability to see those people and expose. And I say that word expose because it's a tricky word. Expose those giftings allow them to be surfaced, let the audience point them out. Like even for you, you are extremely confident in being methodical with your pace. Like you have a great ability in this interview to not rush things, to not try to fill the space. You have a really nice ability to just be present and not worry that every moment is not going to be filled. And that's yeah. something I picked up Thank in this- you conversation it relaxes me but that's one of your gifts so yeah. you're able well, to I, know I worked on it you've done a good job uh, present moment awareness i've been doing it for quite a while but it calmed everything down yeah so that would be my mm. answer to that i think a beautiful question i think it's a question everyone should answer and it's not arrogant you're allowed to say what your giftings are and you're allowed to ask your yeah. friends hey what do you think i'm good at like i tell my friends yeah. If you're always the person that people come to solve problems, you might be a good problem solver. Yeah. No, these are gifts. We have these special gifts, every human being. Yeah. And that's what I try to do here. I'm just trying to pull that out so people can see that there's some hidden gems in everyone. So the person who's watching and hearing that, they can also sense that, hey, wait a minute, what is my super? What is my gift within? What is yeah. my superpower within? What if they find something that completely changes their future just based on that thought? Because sometimes we don't, like you said, it might seem arrogant, but sometimes we don't look within or we don't look at ourselves. So it's a way to get people to become self-aware, if that makes sense. And then give them practical, tangible techniques yeah. to run the play. Like we go back yeah. to our conversation. It's nice to hear that was fun. You know what's really nice? Hey, Shahed, hey, Steve, or any one of our consultants, thank you for putting me in a place where I could find my voice. And because of that, I am doing a TED Talk next year. Like that yes. is the kind of feed, and it's happened. Oh. And I don't take full credit. 
In fact, I just say, hey, yeah. I was just there to expose it. You did it. Yeah. But yeah. to go and find someone who's been labeled, quote unquote, as an introvert, whatever, and then you do an improv scene and you show them that they've got it and they do it. And they're yeah. like, wow, I can do this. I just never have been given the microphone before. Yeah. I've never felt safe in front of a room. And I've been told I'm more of math science. I'm told I'm more behind the scenes. I'm told I'm more introverted. I'm more analytical. Next thing you know, the person's running sound instead of being on stage. And then when you get them on stage, hold on a second. You have just as much to share as the sparkle speaker, maybe even mm. more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I work with people on mindset, say it's not me doing it. I'm just the pointer. So you can look at it like being the pointer. You're pointing them in the direction. I like and, that. But they are producing the results at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. I think no, that, was, yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was just, it reminds me what you share that when we are moving off of being a high energy performer and adding some substance, you can get to that point. You know what I mean? What you just said, you can be a pointer. If you're only standing on stage, just presenting information, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's a one-way street. It's presenter sharing information, audience consuming that information. And there's time mm. and place for that. But if you want to get to that point, and I don't mean to have a play on words, but where you are pointing out <laughs> other people, that'd be a good title for a book, my friend. Yeah. Then you've, the only way to get there is to create some intimacy and break the fourth wall and go yeah. from, like I said, performer to facilitator. Yeah. And connect heart to heart. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's mm. good. Improv can do that for sure. Especially so, if it's the rules are honored. That's the other thing. Yeah. You can't do interactivity without a purpose. That's a big one for me, man. If you're going to make, you know, don't Google, purpose. don't Google team building on the internet and just grab some hula hoops, man. It'll, it could jack people up. You, I'm not saying it has to have the deepest meaning, but I just encourage everyone who does interactivity and engagement to really think about what's the purpose of this interactivity. Yes. What do you, so if you have purpose, you'll have a reason to do it and it's beyond, oh, let's just have some fun and be goofy. That's when it yeah. starts to get weird and people start to rub no. each other's shoulders and everyone feels awkward yeah. and everyone's giggling, but the laughter's not coming from safety. The laughter's coming from just a sense of uncomfortableness, you know? Yeah. Purpose coming from the why it makes a huge difference yeah. in the performance and what you're doing and the information you're trying to convey. Steve, I want to say thank you for joining us today and investing your precious time to serve the community and help them become better public speakers or wherever we could have add value today. But definitely your time is appreciated. And thank you so much for coming on our show today. I appreciate you. Like I said, your heart, your pace, your tone. And I can tell you're doing this on the daily. You've got a nice rhythm. I appreciate it. And I'm going to shift you. for a second. If folks want to be a part of our community, and I'm going to support your community, Shahed. We're yeah. at GameOnNation.com. You've been so good about allowing us to like share this podcast once it gets uh, rendered. And we're, mm -hmm. our focus right now is just to create a community. And they can do that by subscribing to our newsletter and our blog, which I'll share through your channels. And that's, that's it. There's awesome. no, there's no sell right now. It's just, let's be a community and let's share good resources Perfect. and 
let's share videos and blogs and content so we can all see ourselves as presenters. That's going to be our mission with love Game it. On. So yeah, GameOnNation.com. Thank you. And all I believe you provided or your assistant provided information in the booking survey and they should have all the links. So yep. we'll grab all that and add it in the show notes. So if you guys are watching or listening, just check out the show notes below for that information. I appreciate you guys for joining us for another episode with Steve. And yeah, let's make public speaking a very simple and easy thing to do, like second nature as we need to do it all the time with the people that are around us. We don't have to be an actual paid speaker, but we're doing it all the times, especially if you're selling or if you're dealing with your family, it doesn't matter if you're public speaking. I appreciate you bringing that awareness and thank you so much once again and definitely keep in touch. I will. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, my friend.